Good morning. So let me uh, just share with you my true concerns about public education. I first did this um, podcast, I want to say, it's big, it was one of my first podcasts to talk about the letter grades of F. And the reality is public education is so mandated because we operate under these rules where we all pay taxes. And the development of the services has to do with the people who are engaged in the process to demand oversight. And it's just unfortunate to me, I see how many African-American people who really don't have time to do the amount of oversight engagement that we all should have as a nation. And I think we focus too much on race and poverty as those barriers could be an impetus to your ability to benefit. Understand that if children are failing in public schools, then the public school system has failed the children. And because the districts across America have enabled themselves to continue to get paid, even though they are not meeting minimum responsibility to continue to receive the federal allocations, it's criminal when you understand what surplanting is and what supplementing is criminal. I know that I can't change America's public education system by myself. It's going to take local control issues. That means local people have to demand better outcomes of the people that they're paying to ensure that access happens for their children. The reality is is that we all pay. So failure should have never been an option. But I believe over time, this structured system was going to eliminate money to certain states for not ensuring that access was created for all children and not just some children. And as it stands now, we believe we have an education system where here in Clark County, I believe that the charter schools got more money than the regular schools. And you read all this and then how Clark, how I understand what's happening in Clark County, they have put a parent, whatever, a parent group together that is was made by two women who were not for profit. I bet you they're getting paid wonderful now. And they have created a parent organization by two women who just felt that there was a need to provide public services. And all these services that I'm talking about are required under the law. But just because they're required Do you really believe that somehow the requirements are going to affect you? Really, Allie? I mean, really troubling as I have found 12th graders with less than 25 credits. What do you do when a school district has chosen to just not educate children? Because, you know, a part of the responsibility of ESSA, ESSA is that Every Child Succeed Act, right? Part of the responsibility for the support of the transition that every child would succeed, that somehow local school districts would what? Create basic foundational 
processes in which they're developing their educational system. And, you know, the federal government actually helps helps with all of that. I mean, because you in a state have to accept immigrant children, even if they have no documents. And so we know that the transiency of people crossing the border from Mexico, it really happens. And probably happens in Florida. And it probably happens all over the ports or, you know, where they bring people in. But the real reality is, is that we need to simplify the process and ensure that people who are living here are documented and that we know what's going on with them. Because we cannot pretend that we don't have undocumented people who live in America. And and even if they've chosen not to come after you, they know you exist. But they're just not deporting you. But anything you do that could be conceived as a crime, don't worry. They're going to find you. So I called this podcast the uh, Parent Empowerment Half an Hour. Hour. But I'm going to make these an hour so that, you know, I can go back and I understand what I've said. So perhaps filling in the cracks or the, you know, the gaping holes. Well, I can just tell you that most Americans don't understand public education. And I'll tell you why. Because most Americans have accepted below basic and far, far below basic with children who are African-American. So irregardless of the requirements that all children have the right to succeed or benefit from the public school system under a free and appropriate public education doesn't mean that states are working to ensure that your child has access. Let me take a moment and read to you Nevada's. How long is it first? I don't like reading anyway. It's not that long. Okay, are we ready? Sure. In this state, the Nevada Constitution establishes the position of superintendent of public education or in public instruction and requires the legislator to prescribe by statute in the manner of appointment of term of officer and the duties of the position. The legislature in turn enacts statutes specifying that the superintendent will be appointed by the SBOE for a renewal term in unclassified services of the state. Further, the board is authorized to fill vacancies occurring within that office to be qualified and the appropriate the appointee must be at least 21 years old. Y'all hear me, right? And must hold a master's degree in education or school administration. Once the appointment is accepted, the superintendent is prohibited from holding any other office for profit, pursuing other businesses and ventures without the approval of the board. So uh, you're hearing a lot and maybe you're not hearing anything. I'm not hearing what I should be hearing, but that's okay. The superintendent is the executive head of S-D-O-E, and serves as a secretary to the State Board of Education, 
That is what I said. State Board of Education is SDOE. In general, the superintendent performs duties to promote promote the professional profession of teaching, including consultation, consultation activities with local education leaders, and the conducting education conferences within Nevada. The major policy activities of the superintendent include directing the activities of the State Board of Education, issuing licensing to teachers, coordinating educational activities with other general other agencies and you know the coordination what I'm talking about is the coordination between the Department of Health and Human Services and the local school district and the city and the state and the county that means that you know they have to talk about who will pay for what because we know that there are children all across wherever I just listed whatever I mean you know the effect of those children not receiving a quality education will affect the community. So I'll say the directing the activities of the State Board of Education, issuing licenses to teacher, coordinating educational activities with other agencies, and prescribing statewide education reporting requirements. You know, the, when they take the money, the federal dollars, they have to talk about how they supported you or your family and everyone who's living within the state has an opportunity to question the services or the maintenance of effort as this is how education was established across America. And so, you know, it says the state department of education is the administrative arm of the State Board of Education. While the board maintains policy role, the department is responsible for carrying out the provisions of the state statutes, implementing board policies. Remember what I said about policies? Policies are not law. And administrating the federal and state educational programs. So if they were administering the federal and state programs and um, Who's doing the policies? I'm trying to understand. Who's implementing those policies? I really don't know. But the department chief executive officer is the superintendent of public instruction. And as noted in the previous section of the duties of this officer is included recommending and implementing board policy, supervising certain aspects of the K-12 education in Nevada and developing proposed legislation and directing departmental activities. The department uh, as an agency fulfills five major, five major roles, including hmm, carrying out the provisions in the state statutes, implementing board policies, administrating, administrating federal and state programs. I wonder what that looks like. How do you administrate those programs? Because that's the concept that the federal government will help sustain you and your inhabitants, people who live within your state, to ensure, what am I talking about? Access is happening. But the community is really all responsible to ensure that we have a way to control what's happening for people who look like us. And that's just a real reality. And there, um, 
providing technical assistance to the local districts and schools, and managing teacher licensing programs under the policies set up by the Commission on Professional Standards in Education. And my goodness, how far does this go? Under the authority granted to Nevada's constitution, the legislature established a system of school districts to provide a mechanism of local control. The Nevada legislature's in special session held in 1956 made radical changes to the structure of public education school system within its enactment of Assembly Bill 1. Among the other changes, the legislature eliminated the 208 legally active local school districts that had they had existed in Nevada and replaced them with just 17 school districts each of what of each of which was uh, I don't know there's a word here with the county and it's just talking about the boundaries of who lives within the boundaries and then it just says it talks about what happened under the process before the passage of AB1 there were 19 school districts in Clark County alone serving about 11,000 pupils each governed by its own board of trustees these districts ranged from very very large in Las Vegas and Union and Las Vegas High School the districts to tiny districts such as in El Dorado or Garnet or Searchlight which employs only which employed only a single teacher. Unfortunately, very little is known about how these districts functioned, and the legislature did not make provisions in AB1 for the, to record these districts to be transferred to another agency for preservation. But under the current law, boards of trustees are composed of either five or seven members with more than 1,000 pupils and have seven, have seven board members. The term of office is four years and vacancies are filled by remaining trustees as a public meeting appointee serving until the next general election. Except for in certain circumstances of Nevada 17 local school district boards are enacted at large and each school, each district requirements are made concerning their residency, but the residents of the county voted for all school board candidates. Now, isn't that, isn't that amazing? So you have to be in a certain area to vote for your constituent. I mean, as a constituent for the person you want to re- represent you. And then certain people get to vote. And so that just makes it so unfair because people who live within your county can only vote for you. So anyways, okay. With the exception to this rule, it was found in NRS 386-200 through 386-225. Under these provisions, a district with less than 25,000 students may choose to precinct type the election process through creation of trustees and elections of districts. However, schools boards, which created these optional districts, must specified by resolution whether the trustees should be trusted, basically, or I didn't say that, but is to be selected solely by the voters. And within the special election, the district 
and other voters within the county school board district. As July 1994, none of these eligible school districts had exercised this option. So Nevada school board trustees carry out a number of policy roles, major policy functions established within the law to include establishing district policies for procedures, enforcing course study prescribed by the statute administrating the state system of public instruction, approving all curriculum, get that, providing oversight to the district's funds and budget. How did they do that? Promoting welfare of the school children, including the establishment of the operation of schools and classes deemed necessary as describable or discernible. Enforcing statewide testing programs, employing the school district's superintendent and other personnel, managing school property and equipment, financing the capital construction and renovation of the schools within the district, including the authority to issue issue general obligation bonds for that purpose, and enforcing the use of textbooks selected by the State Board of Education. And in addition, the large districts must follow specific procedures procedures for adopting and amending certain regulations. Clark and Washoe County School Boards require to give at least 15 days in advance notice and certain individuals make text, propose changes, whatever, in the review of the law. And so I'm just going to tell you that all school districts are given the power to educate the people from within it people who live in in your area. It says right here, public schools. The student is attending classes in individual school sites and focus on the structure and function of Nevada's education system and of public education, while others at various levels share responsibility for formulating and implementing policy decisions, implementation of curriculum-related policies and other types of policies as well. Resets ultimately with a teacher in the individual classroom. So it just says, you know, it talks about the past. And this um, document is called, what is it called? I think it's called Public Instruction in the State of Nevada, or whatever. But it just really just goes through the policies and, and how education basically happens and what we need to do to look at to ensure that all children are making progress and understanding that it is our voices that basically control the maintenance of effort and the outcomes in the public education system. But if you live in a community, which I do, and as an African-American female at retirement age, I'm 62, And I would say that I have not had the ability to read and comprehend and download what they were doing in in regards to providing services for all children. It's so difficult because they don't tell you anything. And Nevada has this policy that they, they only have to answer specific support questions or specific, I think they want to deal with the, the numbers. I don't want to deal with the numbers. I want to, even if I want to deal with the numbers, guess what? I want to know how many third graders are reading at grade level by the time they reach third grade. Because, you know, the SS, the 
Act or the Every Child Succeed Act really lays down some support strategies as to how districts are responsible to ensure that all children are being engaged and that all children should understand how they learn and should know, especially by the high school grades, if they need additional support in any area because we need to stop accepting the letter grades of F as an American citizen. We can no longer support the broken education system. So if you see districts across the United States giving children letter grades of F and promoting them still, I ask you to join in and stand with me. Educate yourself to ensure that we are not continuing to operate this prison nation which we have become. I can really say that all of the things that I was unaware of taking place, that even though I was observing it and attempting to share in the concerns by participating on the level of committees that were implemented to ensure that we had a level of you know accountability. But here I can't even find, I can't even find the organizations that are dealing with helping to support the district to do better. But when you have a district that openly acknowledges that African-Americans somehow have a 259% higher rate of behavioral infractions than any other children, I tell you one thing, something ain't right. And so it's important that we all understand how education actually works. And education is built on foundational skills. As children continue to learn, they don't have to relearn that segment of whatever they were confused on, but it really is moving, what am I telling you, beyond the understanding that public education is not for all children. We need to ensure that public education makes a difference in all children's lives. And if they're not going to become academic scholars, that's okay. But they do need to have a trade after 12 years of being enrolled and supporting the basic economy, because people really don't understand school boards support the basic economy. I mean, states, states can't afford to build schools by themselves. No, they can't. They need the federal government help because the federal government has promised to allocate additional dollars for your poor children, for your immigrant children, for your children with special education. And even though I'm talking about a process that has not been fully funded. I don't believe that you can competitively, competitively compete for grant money if you're not doing the work because you don't have the maintenance of effort. And what I understand in reviewing the documents that I've found at the Department of Education's website, U.S. Department of Education's website, I found that Nevada basically just does not accept the responsibility to create opportunity for all children. And the mere fact that they have five different types of diplomas. But guess what? I realized today that under ESSA, and perhaps they, they're not paying attention to it, but under ESSA, there is a certain requirement that if children are being you know, pushed out of school, 
that the obligation still is on the district to provide an opportunity for employment or transition to the public. Meaning that just because you got an alternative diploma doesn't mean that you're not entitled until you get a certain age for the district to continue to provide level of support for you. Why am I saying that? Because it's in the rules. That's why. And you only understand the rules if you're reading them. And you know the old saying, if you don't want a nigga to know about it, put it in the book, right? (laughs) No, we hear it consistently. The unequal ability to advocate for your personal rights. And I have a right to understand that I don't feel safe living in a community where people who look like me are being denied the opportunity to benefit from the public school system or the public offer of a free and appropriate public education. No, it's troubling. And we all need to be troubled. And we need to understand that this is not even good trouble. Why? Because how do you get a 259% willful defiance issue or behavioral infractions from a group of children that you don't have any academic content standards that would demonstrate that the children ever even had opportunity to learn? You see, what we need to get rid of across America is this documented evidence of willful defiance and also the inability for districts to provide the data that demonstrates that all children are making adequate yearly progress based on their age and their ability. There you go. Because failure should never, never be an option. And how is it that we continue to not demand a level of accountability from the investment, because you know what? It's real. Lauren Hill, she did get fined $2.3 million more than that. She had to be on an ankle monitor. And, you know, I was listening to, was it Roland Martin's show? I think it was Roland. But irregardless, they were talking about a woman who wasn't in, in, incarcerated because uh, she was a real estate person and she was working with some clients that were committing fraud. But, you know, the whole thing is, is that her role was insignificant, but it allowed them to continue to do what it what what they were doing, even though she had no ideal, not at all, that they were doing that. And that's why it's important for you to pay attention, because I'm going to tell you that we all live on this planet and we have a responsibility to ensure that in the future, we're not destroying the planet to a point to where we can't live on it. So the accountability piece needs to happen now. And for people who live within large cities, the responsibility to ensure that all children have access is a responsibility of the local people who live there and the people who live there and the people who look like them. So irregardless of what they've created here is a nightmare because they've given black leadership also the ability to get a little money on the side or help create a, help create a, a program or a nonprofit 
organization, you know what I'm saying? Building out, building out, creating small businesses with no requirement for the support for the children that are being displaced by behavior. What am I talking about? Displaced by behavior. Because they have readily created a program called Harbor. And what does a Harbor program do? I, I really haven't been able to figure that out because what I asked the district for is for the community partners they're partnering with, how are they measuring the AYP for those children who are enrolled in their programs? And I just can't believe that they are because they said that they took a child as young as six years old and how a child at six years old would not be able to be in an academic content enriched program and be moved to a behavior program without the ability to work with a professional to demonstrate how the child needs the services offered so the child can benefit. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you don't, but I've posted lots of videos on my YouTube channel that will help inform you of what's going on around you because we all have responsibility to be informed about what's going on around us. So until we meet again, like me, subscribe and follow me on Anchor, YouTube, and all the other programs out there. So good afternoon. It's the first podcast of the year. It happens to be January the 5th. And I believe I left off at December, the end of December. But irregardless, to empower yourself as a parent, you first must know that you're entitled to public resources as being an American citizen. The criticalness of understanding who you are and understanding that after 12 years of investment in you, you should have been prepared to do the self-advocacy necessary to ensure that, you know, access happens. And it's so difficult because not everybody has the same level of access, although the law requires that access happens equally for everyone. So what should I say? As the as an individual who just happened to advocate to ensure that her children had access. The reality is, is that I've found that so many children just don't have access. What do you mean? The law requires them to be there and they are required to be there. But even if they show up, they're not being educated. How do I know these things? Well, you know, public schools operate statewide based on data and the federal government helps support and sustain the efforts of the public education system when they're going to educate their citizens. But what are we really talking about here? In America, you have one opportunity and that's to get a basic foundation during your early childhood years so that you can sustain yourself or sustain a family. And what we realized in these years that have passed us by, as so many people are being denied that basic opportunity, but we pay for those things. As American citizens, yes, we do. We all pay. And people like to say, oh, 
well, you're not paying property taxes, so uh, you're not paying as much as we pay. No, that's not how it goes. I'm sorry. Has nothing to do with property taxes, although in some counties, in some cities, it could have a lot to do with property taxes. And the people who are lobbying for those services in those areas don't want people coming in from the other side of the town taking advantage of those services. And so here we are living in a nation where some have some people have access and some people don't. And the people that don't, well, I'm sorry, they're just looked upon as, you know, appendages to our society, no matter what the value is. As an American citizen, I think that we all have to value all people as all people are intric you know, like in they're I mean they're put together. And as they're brought together, living in this one nation, we have a responsibility to ensure that the safety net is a safety net. And that all children and all people can benefit. And so that's how can we have a democracy? It says all the people that live within the democracy, the society will benefit from the public services. Yet and still, we must understand that those who benefit the most are the ones who are engaged in the process. And it happens just like that for senators and Congress people and local um, politicians. So don't get pissed off, you know, when you see that they've created an opportunity for themselves because they were the ones that were willing to get involved in the process and see simply everybody lives by choice. And understand me when I say that we really have to acknowledge that African-Americans were basically encouraged not to participate over time uh, in a bigly kind of way, as your 45th president would say, that you know, if they cared about their children, they show up. But when they show up and they can't articulate themselves, they go to jail. And that's just real. They have a place for everybody. And they really do. But what I'll say to you is that don't let it be the place for your child as they are incarcerating five-year-olds. I believe, I mean, I've read or seen videos where Five-year-olds were arrested in Florida. I mean, but you have to understand this thing that I'm talking about, states' rights. The state has a responsibility. The state has an obligation to create an offer of a free and appropriate public education for you as you were born in a state and tied to that state. And guess what? Immigrants who come to this country, documented or undocumented, get to participate in our public education system. And who pays for that? We all do. That's how come it's it's critical that we count everybody because we're going to pay for them to get an education, right? So we need to count them in the census to ensure that we get enough money from our tax dollars to help sustain our local communities. And they're not robbing from Peter to pay Paul. But when they just are willing to rob your community 
and then deny you the opportunity to engage in the conversation about what's really going on. Well, then you turn to other methods, other ways to ensure that you're helping to sustain a society that is dependent upon engaging everyday citizens. Yeah, that's right, because guess what? We have to have a way to ensure that access is happening for all people, and it makes a difference. And we need to understand that each and every day that we live on this planet, that we make a difference, as that's the legacy that you will leave behind when you're not here. But if you don't afford yourself the opportunity to engage in the process, uh, what do you expect to change? Nothing, right? Because nothing from nothing leaves nothing. And that's just real. We all must understand that as we were trained to say the Pledge of Allegiance, that we need to understand the words that we pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to this republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And I didn't say justice just for. You understand what I'm saying? Because justice is just not right for African-American people as they suffer the burden of not having the ability to explore the opportunities to engage in a fruitful conversation about what is happening in their local communities because people who have been getting the money forever want to continue to get the money. So they don't want you to talk about how it's not working for you. No, they don't want to hear it. (laughs) And then just understand how we pay public schools and how public schools are operating under local control and how local people actually get to hire to attempt to meet the needs of the community. But when the local people choose not to allow you to join in the conversation and critique or even give constructive criticism, then that's not a nation I recognize. Do you recognize that nation? I don't. I know that so many people died for me to have the right to share my concerns with you today. And therefore, I don't plan on going away. We live under a system of compulsory, compulsory education. And that means that we all pay to ensure that public services are happening for all Americans. But if you're being denied the basic education, then know what we're really talking about because some people are going to directly to jail. They don't get to pass go. It's a monopoly. They've landed on chance and they took a chance and they have to go directly to jail. But some people just continuously always get the bad luck simply because They don't understand the process and process is everything. And they make 
an ugly thing out of special education. And I'll tell you, special education is just the Cadillac of all education, simply because the federal government is monitoring the support that is offered to you by the state and ensuring that the federal government is ensuring that if you're under an IEP, that they are willing to put their foot in the game and help you to attain a basic support for your child in the public education system. That means you can measure quantitatively the amount of support that is being provided to your child quarterly because you have a right to meet whenever you see that you feel there may be a problem and you cannot measure the benefit of the maintenance of effort. You see, an IEP is just simply a maintenance of effort or it's an instructional plan or it's a you know an individual plan to ensure that access happens. So if your child has an IEP, basically they've got carte blanche, they've got the golden ticket, but it's not golden if you don't see it as being golden, you know? It don't and everything that glitters is not gold, true enough, but guess what? Everyone has basic rights to to benefit from the public education system and this the public education system has to owe you resources if they don't make it, you know, if they don't fulfill their obligation, they have to owe you resources and time. I mean, but they don't owe you nothing if you just don't understand that you or your parent may have signed away your rights. But when a, when a, when a, I want to say when a county has not met its maintenance of effort ever while they were going through this reconstruction of their public education system, And they're all right with saying they're on the bottom. I'm not all right with paying them because they are on the bottom. I believe that we need to have people who are willing to ensure that the conversation happens about the benefit for all and can acknowledge exactly where we are in creating educational opportunities for the least of us. So the foundation is created for children who cannot read by the third grade. What are you going to do? And if you know what you're going to do, who's going to be the reading coaches that are assigned to the schools where the children are not reading? And what other support can you bring in to ensure that they are reading before the sixth grade? Because you see, Once a child becomes an independent learner, that means that they can learn. And we're only talking about measuring the maintenance of effort and how they're learning and how well we're doing our job. But if you don't have no data, I mean, how can I live in a a state that provides no data to the general public about the number of children who are reading at grade level and the accomplishments of those children therein. So, as I'm unable to get information, and I know information exists because I I did talk to someone today and told me that civil rights data is there, and it probably is, but you know, even if the civil rights data is there in D.C., that there are some holes in it that they just didn't provide 
information to the, you know, the federal government because they don't have it. And that's just real. Because if they have it, I don't see the, I, I just trying to understand the resistance in providing it. So parents can actually make a really good choice as to the placement of their children, you know, because this, this is a one shot deal. Public education is a one shot deal, meaning that you make it and then you're successful. Meaning that if you fail, that the choices that you might take have irrehensible consequences. Meaning that the consequences that you have to face are definitely going to have an effect on your ability to sustain yourself in the future. We, as American people, truly have to understand that local control means local people. And who are the local people that get to have a conversation about what's going on in the public schools? Well, the people who live there, of course. But here in Nevada, somehow they feel that, according to some NRS policy, that they don't have to tell you nothing. And they only operate based on Nevada legislative conversations to local communities. I guess I'm really trying to understand, although I did listen to the legislation about the assembly bills or senate bills or whatever bills they are, but it doesn't change the fact. The fact that the requirement to ensure that children are making adequate yearly progress comes from the federal government because the offer of FAPE also comes from the federal government. And the states are just the willing participants in ensuring that they be the people who said that they are going to help support you through the process. And that's just real. And so I don't know how it all happens. I just know that it does happen. And so What can we say? And when should we say it? 